Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Recorded live. Good evening, everybody. Welcome to Dallas Death Discussion for a mo- another Monday night. It is January 16th of the year 2017. Hope everybody has had a great week. Uh, the weatherman has not been too many people's friend around the country. I hope everybody has been safe. There's been uh, some uh, very bad situations with ice and snow and all sorts of things, but uh Hope everybody is doing okay, and uh, we're looking forward to some better weather coming. So, with that said, as I said in the very beginning, welcome to Dallas Debt Discussion. Key word there is discussion. We discuss legal issues. We specifically deal with uh, the legal issues surrounding the debt collection industry in large part. Uh, the FCRA, the TCPA, where they call you under the Telephone Consumer Protection Act, and the FCRA, the Fair Credit Reporting Act, where they uh, put stuff in your credit report, and sometimes it's erroneous and doesn't belong there. But the bottom line is we never give any legal advice. We talk about legal issues. We don't give legal advice for the very simple reason that we're not attorneys. We don't know what legal advice is. We couldn't give it if our life depended on it. So if you construe anything that you hear on this call as being legal advice, you are making an error. Please don't do that. If you need legal advice, please go find yourself a bar-licensed attorney. They are the ones that are able to give that information to you. We can't. We don't. We don't pretend to. In fact, we make a point of telling everybody what we talk about here is not legal advice. If we talk about doing something in a particular situation, uh, please understand the context in which we're talking is we are stating what we would do if we were in a similar situation to yours. And when I say we, I'm generally talking about the moderators, John, Terry, myself. Uh, We are all litigators in federal court. Does that mean we're experts? Absolutely not. But it does mean that we've got a little more knowledge about the federal courts, the proper use of them and things to do than the average person out there on the street. And, you know, actually we've come to find out that we know a lot more than a bunch of the lawyers, (laughs) as sad as that is, but uh, it is what it is. So the bottom line is we don't give legal advice. We tell people in response to questions, what we would do if we were in their shoes in a similar situation, and that's where it ends. So please keep it at that. Uh, We always start with good news, and the reason for that is very simple. We want to hear about good things that are happening out there. We sure don't have any problem hearing about all the nonsense going on, all the crap that's going on with the inauguration this week and, you know, people trying to disrupt it and all this other stuff. I'm not going there. I don't 
pay attention to that stuff. I've got better things to do with my time, but it's still out there. So we want to hear about the good things, whether it's somebody getting a check, arranging a settlement, whether uh, somebody uh, possibly had a good outcome in a hearing or a trial or something like that in court. So if anybody has any good news they want to bring to us, go ahead and speak up. You do not have to hit star eight to raise your hand to put yourself in the queue. Just go ahead and speak up. Okay, I don't hear any voices, and uh, that's not unusual. It's early in the call, and sometimes we have people come on later. And, of course, good news is welcome anytime. Uh, the only news I have uh, at this point on, on anything, and it's not on any of the cases that I have going on because that's all in limbo, but I did go and spend two days uh, in the federal court last week at a trial, uh, two more days at a civil trial. And uh, I didn't catch the opening arguments in the beginning uh, where the uh, plaintiff testified, but I, uh, I did catch various uh, two days worth of arguments and then the uh, closing statements where it went to the jury. And uh, it was very different than the one that I uh, attended several months ago that I've mentioned to most people. If you've been listening to the calls, you know I I sp spent four days in a trial, and I actually uh, purchased the recordings of that, and uh, uh, they are posted on the website for everybody's benefit, so you can actually listen to a federal court proceeding, everything from Bordier to uh, giving the uh, closing arguments, giving the charge to the jury, as it's called, and um, the experience I had last week was really very different than the, the first one in one major way, that being that there were numerous, 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 numerous objections in this case last week. The first uh, trial I attended in four days there were probably five, maybe six objections in the whole thing. I was really quite amazed because I was expecting, you know, objection, you know, sustained and this and that. Um, this one last week in the two days I spent there, there were probably at least 10 sidebars with the judge. That's where the, the attorneys for both sides go over uh, to the side and discuss things quietly uh, so that the, the jury and, and other people can't hear what they're saying. But uh, there were at least 10 of those. And several of them were quite lengthy in that, you know, they probably lasted six, seven, eight minutes. I mean, they had quite an extensive conversation up there. It wasn't just a, a short little get up there and the judge says a couple things and that's it. There were some pretty substantial discussions. Uh, and it was very interesting uh where there was a couple of instances after the sidebar where the plaintiff's attorney started in asking a witness questions and the sidebar had been called uh, because of an objection by the defense. And they get done with the sidebar, everybody goes back and the plaintiff's attorney starts asking questions. And the judge stopped him, and and of course the other side, the defend the defendant jumped right up and objection, Your Honor, and the, the judge 
kind of jumped down the neck of this plaintiff's attorneys a couple times because she said, you know, we just discussed that and I told you you can't do that. Sorry, Your Honor, I'll rephrase the question. You know, that's the kind of stuff that happened. But um, the judge got rather irate with this plaintiff's attorney a couple of times because evidently they had discussions about what he could ask, where he could go in uh, eliciting testimony from uh, the witness, and uh, he evidently didn't follow that. And boy, I tell you, the judge and the other attorney were on him like real quick. So it, it was really a very, very interesting experience, more so uh, in the line of what I would have expected in a trial to where, you know, you're going along, you, your uh, attorneys are doing what they're doing, cross-examining witnesses or, you know, uh, examining their witness and stuff. And the other side occasionally makes objections, you know, uh, you know that's... Uh, uh, beyond the uh, uh, scope of the uh, uh, cross-examination, you know, they, I heard that when they were uh, uh, working in there. So it really was a, a very interesting experience, and I cannot stress enough to everybody, if you are interested in this, but especially if you think that there's any chance that you might want to go to trial on anything, I highly recommend if it's any if there's any way possible for you to check your court's calendar and I do this right online uh, and be able to go and sit in on these trials because it is really really educational it's fascinating to see how this stuff works and uh, uh, interestingly enough I had a conversation with the defense attorneys, when I walked into the courtroom, things were already going, and the defense attorney stood up and said, uh, Your Honor, uh, we may have a witness here. And I, because I had come in and moved over right behind where, on, on the defendant's side of the uh, the courtroom, and I said, no, no, I'm, I'm here as an observer. Oh, okay, okay, well, we thought we might have a witness, Your Honor, and then they, they went on. Well, there was an older guy, probably you know in his 60s, uh, and he was there with his suit on and his cowboy boots. Remember, this is Texas, and he's from uh, he's an attorney from Tyler, Texas, which is over east of here. And uh, he was a good attorney. He was a bulldog. He was a shark. He was all over the other side in lots and lots and lots of objections. But. Uh, when we walked out of the courtroom on a break and we were going down the hall, I asked this guy, I said, uh, may I ask you a question? He says, sure, sure, what, what is it? And I said, well, I said, uh, I am a pro se litigant that has some cases here uh, on consumer issues. And he says, yes, he says, I heard you talking to the CSO, uh, and that is the court security officers, in other words, the marshals that are there says, I, I heard you talking to them. He says, that's great that you're doing stuff. And uh, he, he, he says, what's your question? And I said, if you could give me one most important thing to, uh, to remember about going to trial as a plaintiff, uh, as a pro se plaintiff in federal court, what would that be? He says, preparation, preparation, preparation. 
And then we talked a little bit. I told him, I said, well, I, you know, I'm here as a disinterested third party. I'm observing. I'm trying to learn as much because I believe I'm going to be going to trial uh, here sometime later this year or next year. And uh, I want to try and learn as much as I can. And he says, you really, really got to prepare. And um, he says, uh, you know, if you want – if." He says, I, I would be happy to answer some questions and stuff for you if you wanted to contact me. And I said, well, that would be great. I would really appreciate that. And, okay. Well, then, you know, he went and was in the bathroom and stuff, what have you. Well, then after things went to the jury, when the case went to the jury uh, Thursday afternoon, uh, I was getting ready to leave, and <clears throat> he was going out the door. And I asked him, I said, excuse me. I said, uh, uh, would I be able to uh, find your contact information on the pleadings? And uh, he says, oh, darn. He says, I don't have a card or I'd give that to you. He says, you can just go on Pacer and find it. I said, oh, I've already been there. And he just grinned at me and kind of chuckled. He says, get a hold of me. So here's an attorney, well-practiced, been around forever, that volunteered to answer questions to help me out as a pro se on doing stuff for trial. So, you know, you just ask a question. You never know what the answer is going to be. So here here it is. Um, he just thought it was quite interesting. And, and his uh, young associate, a female attorney, uh, uh, she smiled at me and uh, she says, uh, I heard you talking to the uh, CSO as a uh, plaintiff. Uh, you litigate uh, as a pro se. And I said, yeah, it's, uh, I said, on consumer statute. She says, that's great. I'm really glad to hear that. I wish more people would do it. So here again, this was from a, a young female attorney that was working with him on this case. And they were a private law firm that was representing the county and uh, a uh, sheriff's deputy that was uh, uh, being sued over uh, unlawful arrest. And I did look at the docket today. I looked at the jury form, and the plaintiff did not prevail. He did not prove his case. So that's how that ended, and that's what I figured by the testimony that I heard once again, uh, if you heard me talk about the previous trial that I attended, I told you that the plaintiff's attorney appeared quite inept, and the defense attorneys were very, very good. They were very detailed, uh, very orderly in what they did, methodical. Well, this case, the plaintiff's attorney was not a fumble bum like the, the other guy. He wasn't inept. But the way that he jumped all over the roadmap trying to present evidence left me confused. And if I was confused, I know the jury was confused, and I was looking at the people on the jury, and you could see it on their face. So here again, I saw a distinct difference between the, the two attorneys on both sides of the fence in this case just like I did in the previous one. Uh, this this wasn't a uh, you know inept attorney, but boy, he was he was just all over the map, and he did not present his case 
in an organized fashion, yet the defense from what I saw and what they were doing was very methodical. And uh, this guy was very, very good at what he did in making his arguments and making his closing uh, statement and everything, which I heard. So, uh, again, and, and the neatest part about this is next week there are two more trials scheduled. And I think you have a good idea where I'm going to be next week again. So May I ask it, what the cases were about? Uh, the previous case, the one several months ago, was a woman that was uh, that worked at Tyson Foods, uh, and uh, she was injured in a forklift accident. And um, you know the indications, all the indications from what I heard, and evidently what the jury heard too, because they they ruled against her, uh, was basically her own fault. Uh, but she tried to pin it on the company. And uh, in this case, this was unlawful. Uh, a, a, the guy alleged that he was unlawfully arrested. The uh, sheriff's deputies came out to a business that he owned uh, to investigate a stolen vehicle. And when they got there, they talked to him initially and told him what they were looking for. And he says, well, that vehicle's back over there behind uh, the stuff over there. So in other words, he told them where the stolen vehicle was. Well, then Have basically... You sat... I'm sorry. Go ahead. Have you sat in on any cases um, in federal court regarding FTCPA? With, no. Um, the, no. Any type no. of foreclosure issue, fraudulent no. documents, nothing like that. Okay. No, there haven't been any of those trials available. See, you you got to remember in federal court, very, very few things go to trial. The great majority of the trials that are held in federal court are criminal. The great majority. Mm-hmm. There's not very much civil. They, 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 the great, 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 great majority settles before they ever get to a trial. So I, I haven't, I mean, I, I'd love to. I would love to sit in on one of those. I mean, that would be, you know, so to speak, right down our alley. But unfortunately, uh, that hasn't been available. Uh, Do you the, think it's not available because they're settling before they go to trial? Because sure, sure, absolutely. Or, okay. Yeah, it 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 absolutely is that because if it, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, if it wasn't, uh, the trials would be on the calendar, and. There aren't any of those trials on the calendar. So do you think that there that the banks are possibly wanting to settle because if it goes further, they would probably be Well, remember it takes two settled. parties to it takes two parties to settle. Right. You know, it, okay. it, it, that's that's always up to both sides. So, you know, what the rationale is behind the settlements, it, that's going to vary, that's going to be different for every single case. There's no way to know. And you haven't seen any type of homeowner foreclosure, fraudulent document, all that kind of uh, litigation? I I have not seen a trial on those issues in federal court yet. But you think that they do file those types of cases then? Oh, there's, sometimes there's cases, but generally they are they, – they'll end up going away somewhere along the line. A lot of times it'll be on summary judgment. Mm. 
it's it, it, there's less than five percent of all cases filed go to trial. I think it's more like three percent, something like that, that go to trial. There's very few. Um, going to trial is a very involved process. I'm helping uh, a friend of mine who is a part of the group. He is actually working on his stuff right now. He has a trial uh, three weeks from tomorrow, February 7th. I will be there with him in Wichita, Kansas, on, and it's on TCPA. What type and I don't, of and I don't think the other side is going to settle. And what type of case is that? TCPA. I don't know what that is. Telephone Consumer Protection Act. It's over calls to his cell phone. Okay. Hmm. Okay. I'm just kind of curious as to how many homeowners go into the federal jurisdiction and get justice if they can under Fair Debt Collection Practices Act or... Well, we, we've had people that are members of our group that have uh, done pretty well with that. There's a lot of times the, the courts uh, will uh, short shrift uh, the plaintiffs that go in there, but there are some wins. You know, you got to remember there's a lot of the judges have their retirements uh, invested in uh, mortgage-backed securities. Right. So they're, they're not a disinterested third party <laughs> by any means. Which and they don't recuse themselves? You well, exactly. Exactly. And that's one of the things why if you have a case and there's anything related to mortgage stuff like that, you have to go your due diligence go do your due diligence on the judge's retirement investments. And if they uh like say if your uh argument is with Bank of America, if they own Bank of America stock in their retirement, then that's a conflict of interest, and then you have to go through the recusal process to get rid of them. But that's up to you to ferret that out and find that, because they sure aren't going to uh, volunteer the information. Right, like through the 700 forms, or maybe it's different for federal judges. Um, no, the, I'm, I just can't think of the name of it. Terry, can you remember the name of uh, the site? Uh, Jesse knows what it is. Uh, on for, for what? Uh, for uh, finding uh, the information on the judges' retirements. No, I, I, I can't. Remember. Remember. I can't. Rem- I can't. You, you can. You can Google Probably it. Google it. Yeah. Um, uh, judicial disclosures for judges should help you find it. Yeah. Thank you. You're welcome. Sure. But uh, anyway, my experience. Uh, last week was very, very interesting, especially in comparison to the previous one. Now, uh, it's very interesting. You know, I've been going up to the courthouse up here in uh, June. It'll be six years that I've been going up there. I started going up there, filed my first case at the beginning of June of 2011. Needless to say, the U.S. Marshals, uh, the court security officers there are pretty familiar with me. Somebody's making a bunch of noise. If you, if everybody would just mute their phones, if you're not talking, uh, that will take care of the noise. And if you don't do it, I'll do it. If I hear any more noise. Um, anyway, the, the court security officers are very familiar with me. 
Uh, I still have to do every single thing every time. I still have to show my driver's license, take my belt off, take my shoes off. I go through the drill every single time. There's absolutely not one deviation from it. And if you, you know, there was a time that I forgot my driver's license out in because I leave my wallet in the car when I'm there, I don't take my wallet in because I don't want to be sitting in there on it. I went in and I didn't have my driver's license. Even though these guys have seen me for years, they know me my name, I walk in the door, hi, Mr. Mack, how are you? I had to go out and get it or I couldn't get in. I mean, these guys are very businesslike and strict, but I've gotten to know them, and needless to say, I've had a lot of uh, interesting conversations with them. And during the break in the trial last week, I uh, was talking to the guys and, and uh, mentioning some of the differences between the trial I said and before that I was just going over, you know, the different objections and everything. And the uh, the one guy uh, said, you know, you should really come up and sit in on some criminal trials. He says, you can learn a lot about the, the tactics and how things work in a criminal trial because some of those will get a, even a lot more feisty than the uh, civil trials. <clears throat> and uh, it's like I, I told... Uh, the, the guys that I was talking to there, the marshals, I said, you know, I had thought in the beginning that I just wanted to go watch the uh, uh, civil trials because, you know, that's what I was going to be doing. But now that I've been here and seen some of this stuff, I absolutely agree with you that it would be very beneficial for me to sit in on some uh, uh, criminal trials as well. Because here again, when you get to trial, in large part, it's about strategy. So if you can learn about various things and the strategies that are employed, that can benefit you. So uh, I'm taking the time, making the time uh, to do this stuff, and uh, I urge everybody else to do it if you have the opportunity, if you have the inclination to want to learn, because it really is fascinating. It can be boring at times, but it is fascinating to see the process how it uh, unfolds. So uh, with that said, uh, one more time I'm going to uh, ask if uh, anybody has any good news. If you have any good news, all you have to do is speak up. Otherwise, we'll see if uh, anybody's got any questions tonight. All right, I don't uh, hear any voices. So uh, if anybody has questions for us tonight, all you have to do is hit star 8 on the keypad in your phone. That will put you in the queue, and uh, we can entertain your questions and uh, try and answer them. Please understand <clears throat> excuse me, that when we get into the discussions and, and talk about uh, the various situations, when people pose questions, well, I'm doing this, you know, well, how is this going to work, or what should I expect here or there, we speak... Uh, the moderators, and some of the other members, too, that have had some experiences that can chime in because this is a shared community, obviously. But uh, we have experience to a degree, but we don't always have an answer. We don't always know the answer to a question. 
And just so everybody knows, especially new people, this isn't the BS line. We're not here to sound all important, all knowledgeable, like, oh, well, you know, we've got every answer in the book. We don't. Just plain and simple. We do not have every answer. We are not all knowledgeable. We've learned a lot. And a lot of it is through experience, a combination of experience and study. But the bottom line is if we get into a situation where somebody poses a question and we don't know what the answer is, we're going to tell you, well, I think this is the answer, but I'm not sure, but you probably want to go here or there. We'll try and steer you in the direction of where you can get proper information to answer your question or to deal with the situation you have. We're not here to uh, to make an impression and, and have people go, wow, man, those guys know everything. Uh, no, 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 no. We know what we know, and if we don't know something, we don't know something. So please understand that uh, when you come here and ask questions and we discuss things, we're not just going to uh, throw crap out to make it sound good and uh, make it look like you know we've got the world by the tail. No, we're just here to try and help people. This is about education. It is about people with experience and knowledge gained through study and other ways that will help other people. We don't charge for it, obviously. But the bottom line is, if you want to learn how to deal with this stuff properly, the first thing you need to do is become a member of Jesse's website. Because what you hear on these calls is going to be bits and pieces. You're going to get tidbits. It's going to be like somebody out in the yard throwing breadcrumbs all over the place. If you think that's going to lead you to the pot of gold at the end of the rainbow, you're wrong. It's not going to happen. Because you're going to be chasing around picking up all the breadcrumbs. Sure, you can learn some things from listening to these calls. But you need to go to a place where the information is extensive, complete, organized, and easy to study. And that's Jesse's website. The way you get to Jesse's website is very simple. Open a browser, type in Knockout Collectors. That's K-N-O-C-K-O-U-T Collectors, T-O-R-S dot net. Don't do a search for that. Just type it in, make your little fingers work and... uh, Put the letters in there. That'll take you right to Jesse's site. There is a membership fee because full-time webmasters and uh, uh, hosting websites and all that kind of stuff uh, doesn't come free. So the bottom line is there is a minimal uh, cost to it. It's $99 for the first month. After that, it's $49 a month for as long as anybody wants to be a member. And uh, if you uh, find that in the first 60 days that for some reason it's just not giving you what you need, you can get your money back. There's a 60-day money-back guarantee on that. So uh, please understand there's no risk for you to go there and check it out. You can study to your heart's content. But when you have questions about how the what you learn there applies to your particular situation, that's what these calls are for is to help you understand how these things relate to your situation. Uh, Again, like I say, that's not that we have all the answers, but the bottom line is uh, we're here to try and help you as much as we can, and if we don't have an answer, 
we will uh, try and point you in a direction of where you can find the proper information. Keywords, proper information. So, with that said, let's go down to Southwest Florida. And by the way, John, good evening. Glad to see you with us. Good evening. How are you doing? Well, pretty good. Pretty good. It was a holiday today, but you know, yeah, hanging in there. Yeah, <laughs> that's good. That's good. All right, yeah. Southwest Florida is unmuted. Go ahead with your question, please. Good evening, and happy New Year to everyone. Well, thank you. Hi, Jennifer down in Sarasota. I have a hearing coming up on Wednesday in my foreclosure case. Are you all able to hear me on this phone? Yep. Yep, we're hearing you okay. Are they hearing? They filed a motion to substitute plaintiffs. This case started in 2011. Um, well, now, now you're now you're getting kind of muffled. It's it's harder to hear you. We were hearing you good before, but your voice is kind of muffled. All right, if I put you on speakerphone. Oh, well, yeah. the way you're talking right now is perfect. Okay. Ditech took over the loan about a year ago, and they filed a motion to be the plaintiff in the lawsuit. Um, the hearing is Wednesday morning to make them a formal plaintiff in the case, and I wondered if anyone's had any experience with going to these hearings, and what kind of issues could I raise at this point, or should I? Basically, um, I'm going to object, of course, because way back when, the assignments from GMAC and MERS are forgeries and copies and wrong people. But then there's um, the assignment to DITEC that they entered in with this motion actually is designed by the attorney and signed by the attorney, in fact, for Residential Capital Solution, who was the previous servicer, by the president, DITEC and Residential Credit Solution are in the same line above his name. And it says um, his title is Assistant Vice President of DITEC as attorney, in fact, for Residential Credit Solution. It's like he gave it to himself. <laughs> That's not unusual, is it, John? Not at all. Should I raise this issue at this hearing? That's my objection. Or has, Your anyone had, has anyone had any experience with this kind I of I haven't thing? had experience with that, but it's something you could raise. I mean, we really can't tell you what to do, but... Well, I know. I wondered if anyone had had experience with raising these questions when these people want to be the new plaintiffs. It's no, I've never had a hearing on this. The judge has always just appointed the new servicers. This is like the fifth one. Mm-hmm. And it's the first time I've ever had a hearing or an opportunity to say anything. And I'm just fascinated by the potential. Well, if, you have the hop- if you have the opportunity and, and the feeling to do so, and you know, you're going to kick yourself if you don't, okay. if you think it can make a difference. But well, I don't see any downside to you raising the objections. Based on the at, at that point, yeah. 
Now, whether they're going to go anywhere, whether the judge is going to entertain them or not, I don't know. But there's one way to find out. I appreciate that. You're right. I got nothing to lose. (laughs) Exactly. Okay. Thank you very much. All righty. Thank you. Yeah. Keep us informed. I know you will. Okie doke. Thanks. Thank you. All right. We're going to go to... There we go. Pro se winners, you are unmuted. Hi, Dave. Can you hear me okay? Yep. Matt from Michigan. How are you doing tonight? I'm doing pretty good. Haven't talked to you in a long time. How are you doing? Good. Really good. Got a question good. for you. You're really familiar with the FDCPA. And uh, the way fairly. I read it is that it says well, you've won quite a bit of money, so obviously you're you're very familiar with it and you're, you're, you're successful with it. And that certainly is great to... Uh, Believe me, every time I come on here, I usually come on, come on the call as a guest, and I see what you're uh, every once in a while. You had another victory, and believe me, I can't tell you how good that makes me feel. <laughs> it makes me feel good when when I have a lot of my stuff's been TCPA, but I did have some FDCPA early on. Okay, now let's say we get uh, FDCPA, and we have a situation where I know normally this applies to a consumer like John Smith, Fred Jones. Right. What if what if it's a trust? Does this does that still apply, or are they going to say, "Ah, wait a minute"? Like I know it doesn't apply to a, a corporation, an LLC. It's a corporation. It's a business, so it's a business loan. So we it doesn't apply there. But what if the situation is it's not a human individual, but it's a trust? Does that apply, or does it say, "Nope, you're you're." I well? I I don't believe it's going to apply. Because the qualification is it has to be for personal and household use, the uh, the debt. And, of course, a, with a, a trust, that's not a person and there's no household. So there's going to be a problem with you bringing an action there because it doesn't apply. I don't think you. I don't think you. The court would have jurisdiction on that. See, that's what I was thinking too when I read yeah. it the other day. It said, mm-hmm. "Man, I know in this situation it involves a, uh, a foreclosure, and the money that they said was owing owing at the time of the foreclosure, they were wrong by about five hundred bucks. So it's like, okay, you kind of violated the uh, you kind of violated the FDCPA, right? And, uh, if they're subject to it, yeah." Yeah if, yeah, if it was if it was a consumer and they did that in foreclosing, absolutely that's an FDCPA claim very clearly. Right. But yeah, when you get over into the uh, other entities, all of a sudden you lose the uh qualification of being for personal or household use. Yeah, that's the problem. That's it right yep. here. Still, yeah. We still get the household because it involves a residence foreclosure, but we don't have the person because now the, the, the trust is not the consumer. Well, but the the trust doesn't have a household. The True. people have a household, but the trust doesn't. So that would that side wouldn't apply either. There you go. That fly out. You're right. When you, when you start that, see, that's what causes people to win is when they fly spec this stuff. Well, you know, sometimes people don't don't thoroughly, you know, one side of it is they don't thoroughly understand the statute. 
And the other side sometimes of what people do is they don't thoroughly think out all of the things that uh, have to be in place to qualify them to have standing to bring a claim. Right. And uh, you know, if, if and if you're lacking on on doing either one, well, then you can potentially get yourself in a uh, a wrong situation. And you know, of course, with the uh, FDCPA, uh, you can possibly be on the hook for uh, the other side's attorney's fees if it's determined you filed a frivolous claim. So that's one of the things that uh, when you're dealing with uh, FDCPA, you have to be very careful of, because if if you don't have a legitimate claim, if there's any way that the court could determine your fr- your claim was frivolous, the other side can come after you for uh, uh, their legal fees. See, that's just it, and that's right. uh, they they generally. Uh, I follow some of these judges, state and federal court. It's like the first time out. If you make them that kind of a mistake. They're probably going to go ahead and let you slide, but it's like if you're a repeat customer and you keep doing the same thing over and over again, that's what you're getting. You're, they're going to they're going to become quite unhappy with you. Mm-hmm. And and you know, really, from a stand, the logic standpoint, rightfully so. You know, yeah, you're it, it doesn't matter whether you're a pro se litigant or not. You're supposed to know the law and you're supposed to understand the procedures. Now, you know. Uh, many of the judges today, not all of them, I won't say that because it's not true, but many of the judges today will give a certain amount of leeway to pro se litigants, understanding that they are not learned in the law. And if uh, they've got a procedural you know, mistake or something, they'll give them an opportunity to correct it because, like we, we say, mistakes can be corrected. Right. But, right. That's, uh, I found that out, too. I found... A friend of mine went ahead, and I'm surprised he made this mistake, but he somehow he said he got a judgment against somebody for something. I don't know exactly what the all the ramifications of it are, and it was some, I think it was a, a negative averment type of thing. Oh, I, I, I kind of scowl at those anyway. But he got he said he got this negative averment, and he kept sending whatever he had to send, and the people didn't respond. So therefore. It, uh, his claim is in, in commerce or in law or something. I don't know what, yeah. that, what the nomenclature was. So then he goes ahead and he files a complaint in federal court. So great. He goes ahead and files a complaint, and then the judge is saying, well, I'm going to go ahead and throw it out because guess what? You forgot the summons. Oh. And he's explaining this to me, and it was like I'm trying to knock him upside the head and say to him, uh, guess what? You have to have a summons with your complaint. Of course. Without the summons, the other side has no reason to respond. Right. You they haven't have, been noticed of your complaint. Right. They had, and he says, well, I mailed it to them, or I did this, or I did that. I said, <clears> no, <throat> it doesn't work that way. You have to go ahead and file the, uh, you have to go ahead and file the summons with it. And I think I finally knocked some sense into him because it was uh, he was at the point... When I found out about this, it was by accident, and he was at the point where the magistrate made their recommendation to dismiss the case. And I said, look, you need to get back in there, and you need to go ahead and say that uh, you recognize the defect that you you basically of your own doing, and that once you you get the – now that you're going to submit the the summons and you want the court to issue it, 
and then you'll go ahead and get it, get the party served. So I don't know what happened, but uh, you know it's just one of the things that uh, I find uh, ultimately you know bizarre because most you're supposed to know that when you go in there, and like you said, you know a lot of these people that go in there they don't know that, and then they get their head handed to them for not knowing it. And then to make matters worse, they always blame the court for it. I was just going to say, the first thing they do is, that crooked court, the court screwed me and this. No, you screwed yourself because you didn't go read the rules. You know, the the analogy that I've given many times, and it's really easy to understand, you can't go down to the field house where they play basketball and come walking in with your shoulder pads and helmet and your football and say, okay, I want to play with you guys too. Mm -hmm. Because they're playing a different sport. You know, they don't play with a funny kind of squeezed out pointed ball. Right. And they don't play with shoulder pads and helmets. They play with jerseys and then they got, you know, these arcs on the floor and then they got this thing where you got to throw this totally round ball and try yep. and get it to go through this metal ring that's got this stuff hanging from it. Yep. They're two different things. You can't go in there and force the game of football on a basketball court. And that's what people try and do with the administrative stuff when they go into like a federal court or a state court. You're trying to go in there with a whole different game, and it doesn't work. And the other thing is, you know, <clears throat> if you want to go down to the field house where they're playing basketball, it doesn't do any good for you to understand first down, second down, third down, you know, field goal and all this kind of stuff. Um, it's a whole different set of rules. So yeah. if you aren't going to, you know, play, uh, you know, uh, with the rules where you got a two-point shot and a three-point shot, you know, you got to be outside the arc, you can't be in the lane more than, you know, so many seconds and all this kind of stuff. If If you aren't going to play with those rules – they aren't going to let you play. And that's the way it works with this. The, the scenario that you just gave with this guy, obvious, what he did is he went through the process and he got a judgment in the heel to sit. That's what it's called. Okay. All right. Um, before he could even bring that in front of a court to try and persuade them to enforce it, which I don't think they will, uh, but, you know, for you to even get in the door, like you said, he has to properly serve the other party, and that has to be done according to the rules of federal uh, federal rules of civil procedure if he was doing it in federal court. Yep. So, you know, it's, it's like anything else. Whatever game it is, you know, it's not a game, but if, the, the good analogy is whatever game you are playing, you need to know the rules of that game, whether it's an, an a state court situation or a federal court situation, because they're light years difference. That's right. And, and there's light years of difference between the uh, Minnesota courts and the Missouri courts, even though both names start with an M. Exactly. Okay. And the thing about federal court is, the federal rules of civil procedure apply to all of the federal courts, but then you have to go and look at the local rules for that particular federal court. And sometimes you even have local, local rules 
where the judges have cert in certain districts have certain rules. They drill down that far, but you know you're just you're you're barking up the wrong tree if you decide to go litigate thinking it's only about filling out a document and filing with a court and then you're going to get your way. Oh no no no, there's more to it than that. Learn the rules before you ever ever go file a lawsuit, right? Yeah, there's quite a bit more to it than that, and that's what uh, that's why I'm always uh, frustrated when these people don't take the time to do it because we have a lot more freedom in that court than any of these lawyers do if we know how to use it. Yeah, there's a lot we can do. And it's, um, I don't know if you heard me talking about that I've, I was, uh, sat in on two days of a federal civil trial again last week. I did I one did several that. months ago. Okay. It, it's, it's an incredibly interesting and educational experience. I mean, uh, you know, like I said, it can be boring at times depending on exactly what's happening. But it, uh, to understand the process and see the interaction of the players and how things are done is amazing. It really is to me. Well, yeah, it, it is. I had a case one time where uh, I went up there for a motion hearing, and I got there too early. So I thought, I'm going to go ahead and sit in this other courtroom. And the attorney I know was defending a couple criminal defendants. It was a federal case. I just sat there for about 20 minutes, and it's like I'm watching how this whole thing is playing out. And I thought to myself, I'm looking at the jury, and I'm just like, every one of them was so naive. And I'm, I'm keeping a straight face during the whole thing. And I'm watching the defense lawyer and the prosecutor go after, you know, say what they had to say I'm thinking what is you know what's going to be the result of this well it turns out that the guy that uh, was being defended I think he they convicted him on one or two of the things but they found him not guilty on the others and it just goes to show that when you're not what I always get it would always take away from those things is that when you're not involved in it and you can sit back and analyze it you can do it a lot more uh, Stay fair and balanced, because if you're right in it, all you see is your side of the, what's going on, and what right. you want. You're not seeing an overview. And I'm thinking of two court cases that I I read the whole thing. I don't know why I did it, but I did it. It was really interesting to me. And I thought, well, guess what? If I'm the judge, I'm going to summary disposition most of these out. One of them was a case where a Michigan State rep by the name of Todd Corser. If you Google this name, Todd Courser, it's C-O-U-S-C-O-U-S-E-R, something like that, C-O-U-R-S-E-R. He ended up resigning from the state legislature, and then he filed a lawsuit in federal court saying that that they threw him out. And it's (laughs) like, wait a minute, Todd. You resigned at the end of the day, even though they were were 10, they were were like an hour away from throwing him out. Uh Uh-huh. You still resign. So it's like since you still resign since you resigned, don't come to court and say you were forced out because you voluntarily, you know, even with all the pressure brought to bear, you resigned. So right. he ended up dropping the court case due to some health reasons. Then there's another court case where this uh these guys had a uh, uh develop they, they used to old be Oldsmobile dealers. Well you know, Oldsmobile went the way of the dodo. Right. And they wound up with all this dealership property that was very, very well located between Lansing and East Lansing, Michigan. 
and they were going to go ahead and develop it into something really, really nice. Well, it turns out that uh, somehow they got strong-armed by some supposedly some buddy of the mayor's who then came in and said, well, I know I'm going to develop it, and you'll have to sell it to me. So they went ahead and they sold it to them, and now they're suing, and they're saying, well, we were forced to sell at a below-market-value price. And it's like, no, you weren't forced to sell. It wasn't mm-hmm. being done by the city. You they may have been pressuring you, but, you know, you, you, you chose to sell. Right, you chose to sell. So since you chose, even though you're pressured, then don't come to court suing. You should have just said, you know what? We're going to make a park out of this. We're not going to go ahead and sell it. We're just going to go ahead and grow trees there for the next 100 years, and mm-hmm. nothing's going to happen with it. But they didn't do that. So it's like, and I thought those, those lawyers spent, I don't know how much time putting those cases together, and it's like, I want to say to both of them, why do you guys bother with this? These are both going to be dismissed. And it's like, hopefully your client paid you a huge retainer and you're not doing this on contingency. That's all I yeah. thought of. Well, both of these cases that that I've uh, been to and, and viewed information on in federal court, the first one, uh, I pretty much heard everything from the uh, opening statements to the closing statements and watched the jury uh, leave with the uh, jury charge to go deliberate. And... I pretty much <laughs> knew uh, very obviously that uh, this woman had not proven her case at all. Yep. And that's exactly what the jury said, and it took them, uh, they, they only deliberated a little over two hours. Um, now this one last week, um, I, I thought probably 85 to 90% that the... Uh, Defendant was the defendants were going to win that they had shown that there was probable cause for this arrest because the other side was arguing there wasn't probable cause. The the plaintiff had a a guy that had worked for the Texas well it had worked in the legal part of the Texas government for years. He had been a law enforcement officer for a number of years in different places, including Michigan and Detroit. He had been a police officer there. And this guy was an expert, but it was brought out in court that he was paid $10,000 to come in and uh, make the statements that he was making to do the analysis and everything. And what I found interesting is after the defense attorney kind of ripped him apart with all that, so isn't it true that you're being paid to be here? Yes. How much are you being paid? Well, I'm, I'm, uh, I was paid $7,000 to do the analysis of all the documents in this case, and I'm being paid $3,000 to be here today yep. in trial. And the plaintiff's attorney never, ever made a comment after that when he went back to his redirect about, well, everybody should be paid for their time, shouldn't they? And if somebody has an area of expertise, they should be paid. The the defense attorney really made a big stink out of it, the fact that he was getting paid those big bucks. And the plaintiff's attorney never made one comment in defense of the guy. Yeah, he should have done that. Yeah, but see, I mean, it's it's things like this, and this is this is what you see, you guys. You see the difference in 
the ability of the attorneys in these cases. And you're you're not going to get a feel for that kind of stuff dealing with, you know, you can go down and, and look at your, you know, I and I've sat in on local courts and, and been there uh, several times for uh, various people around the area here, just in the uh, uh, magistrate courts and stuff. I've done that several times, but now I've been in the federal court twice. And the federal court is, it's just a whole different animal. You know, we keep talking about how beneficial it is to, uh, you know, go use the big dog, use the federal court. Don't, don't go and sue somebody in a state court. You know, club them over the head in the federal court. It is a different deal. And you, you go and you look at these lawyers, and it, there, you can really see the stark differences in who is sharp and organized and who's just a lawyer making a bunch of money, and they they aren't very sharp in what they do at all? Oh yeah, you can like the state court. I've been in. I've been in court more than more times than I care to say, but it's like there's a stark difference between state court and federal court because usually in state court you're not the only one there. There's there's a courtroom could be filled with people, and the right. court motions one right after. You're part of the parade of litigants. Right part of the parade of that and I had a, a federal case where it was uh, not this you know it was 20, 2015 and I had a motion hearing before a judge there and it was like mine was one of the last ones and he had you know some oral argument motions that day but that was rare normally whenever I've been in federal court I'm the only one there my cases that's it when they're done with yeah. the club, they, they're, they're just not that busy up you know as, as far as hearing a bunch of cases and like you said most of these settle, and the other thing is, most of the time in federal court, when there's a motion, there's not oral argument with it. State court, right? You usually get oral argument there. So right. That's right. one of their reasons too. Yeah, federal court generally, you you just brief it, and then the court's going to entertain it, unless it's there's some kind of real uh, different uh, set of circumstances. The issues are. are much more complex or something, generally you're, you're not going to have any kind of oral arguments over uh, stuff there. Pre-trial, I mean. Yeah, a trial, of course, is a whole different deal. And, and oh, yeah. That's, that's what I'm gearing up for because I, I fully expect to uh, be in federal court to, at trial later this year or beginning of next year because I don't think there's any way that uh, uh, the other side is going to settle with me because to settle with me, they're going to have to pay me what they'd have to pay me if a jury finds in my favor, which there's no doubt in my mind they will when I get done with them. So if they want to save the cost of the trial and the lawyers, that's fine. But I, I don't think that they will do that. I think they'll, uh, they're arrogant enough that they will uh, move forward. But that's up to them. You know. You have a free trial settlement conference set. Oh, no, no. My stuff's stuck in the MDL out in California. I've got 106 federal lawsuits against Midland. Oh, okay. I sued them 113 times. Seven of them were settled. Oh, you, oh wow. Only seven I sued them? them for each individual phone call. They called my cell phone 113 times. Oh. They, ref, they refused 
to discuss settlement with me, so I just kept suing them for every one. They they tried to uh, beat me on four cases here in the Eastern District, uh, a judgment on the motion for judgment on the pleadings, because they they did an offer of judgment on the very first one, then tried to use that as res judicata and claim splitting. And the court ruled in my favor on all four of those. And then when we got up to about 50 cases, and these are all being taken to the Southern District of California and to multi-district litigation out there. Okay. Uh, when it was up to about 50 cases, they uh, filed a motion with the court out there to force me to stop filing additional claims and force me to uh, file all my uh, consolidate all my claims in one suit in the court in California. And, of course, I very clearly told the court in California, you don't have jurisdiction to do that. And the court ruled in my favor. So I just went on and I finished uh, suing him, but uh, seven of them were settled. So I have 106 actual federal, individual federal lawsuits active against the same company. And uh, after they get done with the common discovery out there, uh, those will all come back to the Eastern District of Texas for uh, trial. Well, what did you have to do then? Pay a, a filing fee for each one? I paid a filing fee and a process server uh, I, I filed in small claims court, cost me $41, and I had a process server that, uh, because of the volume that I did, he gave me a, a deal. And uh, because in Texas, you have to use a process server. You can't have an individual. You either have to have the sheriff do it or a licensed process server. I yep. did that. They moved each individual case to federal court and then moved it to the MDL. They've spent over 45 thousand dollars on federal filing fees with me what the hell's the matter with these people they're brain dead they gotta be i mean it's like what do you get like for each each time they called your phone what do you wind up with Uh, it's five it's five hundred dollars or can be traveled to fifteen hundred as knowing and willful and i'll have all the evidence i need to prove the knowing and willful well they're going to have more money in lawyer fees fighting you than they are if they would just say, look, would you take X number of dollars and call it a day? Yeah. Yeah, you're right. They've already spent about 150 grand on me so far. Jeez. And we have, we've, we've just gotten going. And that doesn't include the, what they've paid me in settlement on seven of them, and I'm perfectly happy with that. Well, yeah. I mean, these people are like, I think you're at the point where if I were you, I would start studying uh, – the penalties for vexatious litigation and for being, I don't know what the correct Well, no, is. I'm i am the plaintiff. I, so I know see. you're the plaintiff, yeah. but it's like when you when you have a defendant that's being this obstinate and once you pull this off... Yeah, but that's the problem. Our yeah. justice system and our form of government guarantees that no matter how guilty you are, you are entitled to the strongest, staunchest defense you can muster, and you can't blame them for trying to get out of it, even though yeah. they're guilty. Well, right, yeah. but this is a civil case, not a criminal one, so it's like... doesn't right. matter. Still the same justice system, same form of government. No, but there, yeah. there still is something that if, they, if they're shown to do... If they're, if they're showing... Frivolous defense is what I'm... That's, the, that's what I'm searching for. Yeah. Well, they haven't. They, a, yeah, but see, they they haven't defended yet. That's just it. Well, they will. It, but it's like you got this but, jury trial. Well, here's here's the deal. Every one of these, I, I uh, 
put in for a jury trial. In the four cases where they tried to uh, stop me with the motion for judgment on the pleadings, some of the dicta that was in the uh, written in the decision where uh, they lost, one sentence in there was uh, it, 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 what in any in any manner I can't remember the exact words to start is if the defendant would stop calling plaintiff, the plaintiff would quit filing lawsuits against it. Right. They said that said that in well, but now what's interesting is there was two magistrate judges that had the same wording in their decisions because these cases were heard by two different ones. One of them was Magistrate Judge Mazant who is now a district court judge, and guess who the district court judge is that would hear this case when it comes back here? Him. <laughs> That's fantastic. And he knows me very well. I've talked to him on the phone several times about other matters because of the you know amount of litigation I've had. So he already sent a message to these people, and they right. didn't get it. Well, so they're calling it clearly frivolous defense. Yeah, well, the, but the whole thing is, um, there, there was a purpose behind this because of the MDL. They, they had to hold me at bay. I understand exactly why they did what they did. Uh, the reason I sued them for each individual call was because I didn't want to be dragged into the MDL. They just settled the class actions that were brought and it was taken into the MDL. And uh, the people got next to nothing as usual. The lawyers got several million dollars. The company escaped tens of billions in liability and skated out with, uh, it only cost them about 12 million bucks max for everything. And uh, they called over 41 million different cell phone numbers without consent. 41 million numbers. And I got 113 phone calls just on my number. Yeah, 41 million different numbers. Uh, Yeah, and how many how many calls were made to some of them. Anyway, oh, yeah. but they what they were trying to do, see, I was very aggressive when I got when I started these. I immediately jumped into protective orders and doing uh, uh, discovery. I mean, as soon as I could do discovery, it was in the mail. That's good. And uh, they had to stop me because I would discover all the stuff. I would dig, and they they were hiding all this liability, I won't go into all the details here because we've talked about it before, but the bottom line is they had to stop me and keep me under wraps so that they could get that MDL settled, the uh, class action settled in there for peanuts. So the bottom line for me is uh, I'm in a situation where uh, I opted out of the class settlement, obviously, Mm -hmm. and when my turn comes to go to trial, I'm going to have all the evidence I need to hang them from the highest tree. And they know what you're saying is if your case had surfaced before they settled the other one and the let's say that the plaintiffs in those cases had the same information you had and if you were to provide it to them or they've got it from a court file or whatever, it would have cost them a lot more to settle their Exactly. Exactly. I would have blown the thing wide open. But they they made their, you know, brother in law deals with the plaintiff's attorney. Right. And got got away with murder, basically. So right. um, now, no, they'll settle with you now. Oh, they, no, they won't. I've I've talked to them. They well, the attorney told me this. He I, he says, well, what do you want to settle? Because they 
they offered me uh, after the debacle in California when they they had lost four times in Texas, then they lost in California with that deal. After that, they came up and they said, oh, well, I'll pay you 30000 I said, go pound sand. I yep. said, your client's going to pay me $1,500 a call for every every call I got right. because every one of them was knowing and willful. Well, you know, right. why would my client want to settle for the amount that would be their worst day in court? I said, because they might save all the fees and, and for trial and everything else. That's why. But I'm not settling for anything less than that. So, attorneys are blowing smoke up their clients' rear end. Yeah. With well, the idea that, that they're yeah. trying to milk this thing for what it's worth. Yeah. Well, there's there's more surprises that I'm not talking about publicly no, that are, are in store for these guys, good. and they are they're not going to come out well. Good. They can't. You know, I'm to say I'm in the driver's seat is to say I am in the driver's seat of one of those humongous, bigger-than-life dump trucks they use in the big strip mines, you know, the ones where the tires are about 12 feet tall and the guy sits about 40 feet off the ground driving the dump truck. I'm in the driver's seat of that when it comes to this deal. You're being, you're, you're behind the driver's seat. You're in the driver's seat behind the wheel of a great, big, Mack truck. <laughs> yeah, Yeah, you could say that. Really, that's exactly where you're at. That's a good yeah. place to be. So anyway, you know that's that's what's going on. It's uh, it's going to be an interesting process, uh, but I'm learning about it. And again, I would recommend everybody take the time. Please, if you have any interest in this, if you don't, I understand that. You know, not everybody has the uh, intense interest that uh, that I and some other people do have. But if you can go and sit in on some federal trials and observe. I think you'll be fascinated at what you see and learn. Uh, I, I'm going to be sitting in on more. Like I said, I just found out. I checked the calendar today. There are two more trials scheduled at my courthouse for next week, and uh, these are civil trials. And then uh, I didn't even get a chance. I was busy today doing stuff. I didn't get a chance to go and look at the cases and see what they were about. I have no idea what the subject matter is, but I will look into those. And uh, I will see who the attorneys are, see if it's anybody that I might be familiar with. But then uh, I'm also going to plan on sitting in on uh, at least a couple criminal trials when those are available here. So, you know, who knows when when they're coming up. uh, Fortunately for me, I've still got plenty of time until my trial, and uh, I'm going to have the experience in three weeks of being with a friend of mine at his trial in uh, Wichita, Kansas, and I'm going to be sitting with him at the plaintiff's table as a, a, a friend and consultant. I can't be there and represent him in any form or fashion, but I will be at the plaintiff's table with him, so I'm going to be right in the thick of things. So that's good. That's good that you're able to do that. How Absolutely. Many How many times they call you? 113? 113. Okay, so we got From the same number to the same number. In a four-month period of time, many of the days they called me four times a day. Well, that's 169,000, and these mongoloids offered you 30. Yeah, there's no way I take that. I say, no, buddy, we're going to. Uh, I might be nice and say I take 160 or 165, but uh, no, there's no way I. Well, 
Well, there's there's more surprises in store, and like I say, I don't I'm not speaking about it. That'll be something to be divulged later on. But um, it's going to turn out to be far more expensive than even what you mentioned. Good, that's good news. Yep, really happy for you. That's good. Yeah, well, it's it's a lot of work. I I can tell anybody out there. uh, I will recommend to all of you: don't do what I do, please. Don't do what I've done in this. The paperwork that I have, and I've just gotten started, remember, these all, as soon as I was found them, they were immediately removing them to federal court and then putting in for a transfer to the MDL and stuff. We didn't get into any discovery except on several cases, and then that was stopped by all of this. So I've got the great majority of all the work to do in all these cases. And the paperwork that I just have on my end for these, if you stack it up, is six feet high. Wow. Yes. But is that I, a duplicate uh, of the same thing, more or less, over and over again? Uh, they're all pretty much all identical, other than the date and time of the call. Wow. Mm-hmm. It's still a lot of work. Oh, yeah, it is. You Believe stop me. and think of all the copies, because every time I filed uh, a complaint with the uh, small claims court, then they were served, then they moved it to federal. As soon as I got notice it was moved to federal, I had to do an amended complaint, which I did. Then I uh, had to deal with their stuff. And, of course, when I do an amended complaint, that the pleading standards in federal court are completely different than small claims court, much more extensive and, of course, more detailed. Yep. So uh, with the length of the uh, uh, complaints and with my stuff, with my exhibits, each uh, complaint, I believe my amended complaints were either 32 or 39 pages with the oh, exhibits. Wow. Oh, yeah. And then I had to provide two copies to the court, one for the judge, one for scanning. I had to make a copy for the other side and then for of the uh, for my own side, I've got paper copies of my own stuff. So that's four copies of each one. How many sheets of paper was I cranking out of here a week? <laughs> well, if you've got 40, let's say that each one of them is just, uh, I'll say each complaint's about 40 pages, and you've got 113. That's 160 pages just for each complaint. Oh, for, yeah. Well, I, 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 4,520 pages. Yeah. You're getting 40, 40 pages of complaint times 113. Yeah. Well, I went through a few cases of mm-hmm. uh paper, right. uh, numerous toner cartridges, uh, uh, a number of uh, drums for my printer. I had both of my printers. Uh, uh, they got to the point where there was problems, so I had to have them repaired. Oh, yeah. Yep. Yeah, there's, believe me, there's plenty of work. And like I say, this is just getting started. So, well, like, How long has it taken you to do? When did you start this, buddy? Six months, a year ago, or when did this start? Oh no, I think I th- if I remember correctly, this started in March of fourteen. Okay, fourteen. So you're going to be. That's still not. I'm almost three years from since yeah, I started years. the very beginning, I believe. Let me. Uh, let me go and look here. I've got that uh, information fairly handy. I know you're amazed at that, but. Hundred and seventy. <laughs> If you figure 170,000, you divide that by three years worth of work, 
that's over that's put over fifty six thousand dollars a year, and you didn't do this full time. So yeah. yeah, you wait and see when you get to the point and you start letting them know more things that they don't know now that they don't want coming out publicly. And you say, I just want to settle for hundred cents on the dollar, and I want to collect a hundred cents on the dollar. Uh, there's a high probability that's exactly what they're going to do is write you the check. And, yep. uh, uh, my letter to the process server with the uh, uh, service uh, for the very first lawsuit was March. Uh, I sent it out to the process server on March 14th of uh, 2014. Okay, so yeah, we're almost, when it almost, almost three years. Mm-hmm. And it probably the stuff won't come back from the California court for me to even start moving forward until uh, probably this fall, sometime at the earliest. I'm going to guess, uh, maybe even late the late the end of the year, or even possibly uh, about a year from now yet. It'll, it'll be four years then from the time you filed the first one. Oh yeah, probably. So it gets to. Uh, yeah. Actually, when push really starts to come to shove, but yeah, I, uh, I think you got a really good chance at this because if you've got them where you want them, and you and the things start things start dribbling out that they don't want to hear about publicly or get on the record, huh. that they're going to just. Oh, be may, it's it's interesting that you made that uh, that comment because there is something that that will definitely come out that they really don't want to be public. <laughs> Right, and that's when and that's going to be a, a major lever that uh, that I will have over there. But you know, it's it's up to them. It's you know, it's up it's, to them uh, they do, yeah. They they've been very uncooperative about things up to now and arrogant. They threatened me with deposition, and then uh, wow, well, at the last second they canceled it after they got my answers to their discovery and found that I had more than they thought they had, or that they thought I had. Yeah, we don't want this coming out. Uh oh. Oh well, yeah. this was just the very beginning. They, you know, they did discovery on me, and I provided the information to them, and they found out that I've got very good documentation for everything I've done. Mm-hmm. You know. So anyway, that's, you know, that's, that's, that's the bottom case. line. So, I had a case a couple of years about, I'll say, 2013. I think yeah, it was 2013, and it involved phone calls, and I was able to write down every time the call was made, from what number it was made and for how long the phone call lasted. And that's what all these courts want is evidence. And it's got to be something where you can't just say, I got 20 calls. It's like, okay, where are my cell phone records saying that this call was made on this date from this number at this duration? And if you have independent records from the cell phone, excuse me, I'm assuming it's a cell phone company, that's mm-hmm. a cell phone company, that's irrefutable. I don't have I don't have cell phone records from my cell carrier, but I've got really? handwritten detailed notes of every single call with calls I received from other entities interspersed between all of them. Okay, but what if they say we didn't make that many calls? How are you going to say yeah you did? Uh, I have the testimony and we'll do the discovery. They've already they made an offer of judgment on the first call, and they paid me for both FDCPA and TCPA, and there was no language in that offer of judgment of disclaimer of liability. And I accepted their offer as it uh, related to that 
case, meaning that phone call, and then they tried to come around and say, well, they settled with me on all calls. That's what the, those uh, motions uh, for judgment on the pleadings were. They said, oh, well, that's already settled. We, we settled that with him. We made an offer of judgment and paid him. And uh, I showed the court, you know, it's right in my acceptance that uh, it's as, as it relates to this cause of action only. Right, just a one phone call. Right. Settled for one phone call. But right. what I'm saying is if I'm them, the first thing I'm going to say is, it's, you know, he's the plaintiff, the burden of proof is on him. Well, mm-hmm. why didn't he go ahead and call his cell phone carrier and say, I want my records for... You You can't... It. it the cell phone carrier I have is... Uh, um, uh, track phone, oh. and it's it's very it's it's pretty difficult to get records from them. You can, but you know, we'll we'll do, I'll deal with it. I've got all the handwritten notes. See, my, you know, I, I've got one of those. I got a prepaid one, and it's like they will log so many calls for me, and then they just keep kind of like roll, rolling over and rolling over. So if I wanted to get like, I'll say, the last week's calls, I could probably get them, and it would show who made the call, whether I made it or whether it was incoming, and then the number and the duration of the call. Mm -hmm. So I've used that before in court when I've had to go ahead and do it. But, yeah, with that track phone, it's almost like, see, that's going to be a stumbling block, and I'm thinking like, oh, no, oh, no. You don't think it's going to be? No, no. The evidence I've got, I've got my testimony. I still have the phone. You know, I still have the phone. I still have the phone number. And uh, they admitted that they called it. Oh, they admitted they called it? On the first one. Well, offer of judgment. Okay, on the first one. But did they admit admit it another 113 times? No, I got the others. I got the the first one written down on the piece of paper, and I got all the rest of them. They have nothing to refute that. They have no way to refute it. Can you... Can can track phones still? They keep. I believe. All those I believe they can get the uh, data because, like I say, I still have that number. I would want to get that. I would want. Because uh, you're at the point you're in six figures, mm-hmm. and it would pay to go ahead and get all that information, and then try to have a representative of track phone subpoena to the trial, saying that yeah, this came from track phone. This is a reliable record from us. And it indicates that this number was called on such and such a date. The duration of the call lasted, and the call came from this number. Oh, believe me, I, there's things that I can't discuss publicly at this point in yeah, time. I understand. I understand but perfectly. I, I'm not going to have any problems. <laughs> well, it's uh, going to be interesting to see how this comes out yes. because it's like uh, yep. I've been coming on these calls for, I want to say, 19 at least ten years. Well, I my call will be yeah. eight years in June. I've never missed a Monday in eight year in almost eight years. Because I've been coming on these things for I'm going to say ten years, different different talk show calls. Yeah. And it's like I hear these people talking up a storm, and when I push the button and say where did you win a case or when did you win a case, they go silent on me. Yeah. And you're one of the few in here that has had not just one win. But multiple, multiple wins. Well, so that's, uh, and, and, well, and the and the and the checks, the copies of checks are on the website. You there know. you go. Yeah, that's yeah. nice to see. Yeah, that that should be. Well, and you know what? Because we, 
because we mostly litigate in federal, everything we do is public record and paper. Right, that's it, exactly. Right. And when there's a settlement, it's, you know, there's a notice of settlement that goes into there and it shows that things are done. That's and, it. I mean, I've if somebody doubts anything that I've had very many settlements, well, just go into the website. And, of course, you know, there's no risk to you. Go into the website, go to the forum, then go down all the way to the bottom to the success section, and then just start looking for my stuff, and you'll find all sorts of them in there. So it's not like I've I've come out on top on you know one or two more than one or two uh, far more than one or two <laughs> than that far more than that exactly that's the that's and in fact yeah in fact I will tell you and, and out of all the stuff I've done I've only had two that uh, I did not come out on top on that's not bad that's a really good uh, that's a really good win loss ratio I'll tell you that. <laughs> That's not too bad. And one of them was a FCRA case early on that I, I was uh, trying to well, establish kind of some case law. Yeah. Was that Terry? I said it was kind of a test that issue. Well, yeah, yeah, it was. But uh, you know, the the bottom line is, um, you know, I know how to read rules and I know how to do other things. Yeah, you've so, got a you've got a good, diligent, deliberative mind that can think step by step by step by step. Well, that's really what it takes to win in court. Yeah. Well, the the big and thing it's is a team effort. Yeah. Well, and yeah, what we do is a team effort. So, well, we've got somebody else with a hand up here, hey, and uh, I want to call on them. It's good to talk to you again, and uh, say hi when you pop in as a guest. We'll do. And uh, let us know you're around. Okay. Okay. We'll do. All righty. Take it easy. Everything. All right. You too. You bet. Thanks. All right, let's go to north and central Orange County, I think. Hello. Hello. Hi there, this is Catherine. Hi, Catherine. How are you? How are you all doing tonight? I'm good, thank you. I'm still Hi. alive and kicking. They haven't killed me off, and here it is, another year. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's good to hear. Um, well, we've got, I got a response back from my other... Uh, sorry. A lawsuit that I don't know about yet. <laughs> I got a response back from them. A um, response back from the debt, debt validation. Yeah. Like they, oh, yeah, from, oh, they, from the debt validation. Yeah. Um, kind of similar to Midlands. They just sent me statements and typed up papers of how they owned debt. Um, so should I respond back to them um, the same way I responded back to Midlands, just saying that they did not answer my? Oh, if they, they didn't validate the, if they didn't validate the debt, then I would inform them of such. Okay. Yeah, they did. They did not. Um, and I did check uh, the public records again to see if they had done anything further, and so far nothing. Mhm. Well, um, yeah, just it just monitor, keep an eye open. And... Okay, and they still did. They still sent it to the wrong address, and then I got forwarded <laughs> to me. <laughs> Boeing, and of course, you had your right address on the information that you sent them the demand for validation, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but th- does that show you how smart they are? 
<laughs> yeah. You give them that your correct address, and but they still send it to another address. Boing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh goodness. And then oh. I've been um, like sharing this information with my children, my adult children. Good. And my son calls me up and he says, "Hey, I got this uh, letter of collections from the bank. They closed out his account. He wasn't really using it." And um, he, I said, well, you know, let me ask for Because he goes, I, I want to know if I send one of those validation letters out. And I said, I, I don't really know, but I'll ask. Um, it's just because he never used the account, so I don't know how it that... Was a dor- it was a dormant account. Yes. But yeah. are they trying to get money from him? Yeah, $125. For what? It um, just said that it was placed... Um, just for closing, for having the account open. There was nothing. It just says a past due account, which he doesn't have. Well, I don't know, Dave. I well, think I, I, I would so, validate because... Oh, yeah, absolutely. That, you know, what the hell? I don't have to pay you because I don't use your bank. Yeah. Yeah. No, you, you, you people got to understand, this is for everybody out there, there's no downside to sending a demand for validation. You get everything okay. to gain and nothing to lose by doing that. So yes, by all means, he should send. So that it. doesn't start anything. I mean, all it is is a validation. No. That doesn't open up a can of worms or anything. No, no. It, it's um, uh, the only place that where that might create a potential problem is somebody that has in, in a foreclosure situation. We had somebody we talked to recently about that where, you know, they, they've got something and, uh, uh, you know, they're they're thinking that, well, you know, am I paying the right person, this kind of stuff, things like that. If, you, you know, if you're up to date on your payments and stuff like that, then uh, maybe you don't want to stir the pot. Maybe you do. That's a decision you have to make because I've actually uh, seen one, I'm thinking two cases, where when somebody sent a debt validation letter, to a mortgage company, they, even though they were up to date on their payments, they started foreclosure proceedings on them. Oh. That's that mm-hmm. was the trigger. I mean, it doesn't make any sense, but it it is what it is, and that mm-hmm. uh, that created the problem. But yeah, the the situation with your son, no, absolutely, and those types of things, absolutely, I'd send them a, a demand for validation. You want money from me? Well, you better show me what makes you think. I owe you this money because if you don't prove to me that I owe you the money, I'm not paying you. It's yeah, really I pretty simple. Said what he did was he worked and the company paid him through that bank. So he opened the account for that purpose and then just never used it and forgot about it. Uh huh. Until he got the letter saying that he owed yeah. him. Well, owed well him but money. here, here, yeah, here again, it it just depends on what the what the details are but you know if somebody says i want money from you i'm gonna say oh okay well validate this alleged debt oh you validate why i owe you money you better come up with a good explanation that's all yeah. and then okay. you know you take it from there but yeah that's yeah that's absolutely the first place any, to start i don't know of any banking regulations that regulation that allows them to penalize you for not doing a certain amount of business through their bank well, yes. if a if a bank has a monthly fee, 
you know, like a service charge for having an account mm-hmm. open, and you don't have enough money in the account, like, you know, let's say it's $7 a month, and, you know, maybe you had uh, $28 in there, let's say, just to make things even. Okay, mm-hmm. you didn't have any activity. Well, in four months, it's going to eat up that $28 at 7 bucks a month. Then after that, it's going to be, okay, well, there's zero balance. Well, then you owe us another $7. So you're minus 7, you then, then, you're minus, then you're minus 14. Well, here again, that's it's all part of, well, prove to me that I owe you this. You don't just get to say it and I fork over money. Yeah. Let them come up with some documentation to show just exactly why they think he owes um, $125. Right, because if there was something like that that scenario that Dave just said, uh, a bank would send a monthly statement and show an overdraft. They would show a negative balance. This is a collections uh, letter. Is it from the bank or from a debt collector? No, a debt collector. Oh, oh my God, that's great. Yeah. Oh, 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 geez. Oh, yeah. Definitely debt validation. Oh, oh, yeah, there's no question you send a debt validation letter to them. Oh, boy. Can you say something? Yeah, I know, and he said that, I think I'm holding money in my pocket, and he hands me the letter, (laughs) and I said. (laughs) He has been listening to you, hasn't he? He has, yeah, he has. Very good, very good. <laughs> and I don't know if you should check out the website at all, because I, I send it to him, and I'm like, you should look at this. I mean, I know you don't have a lot of credit uh, issues, mm-hmm. but take a look at this, because it might come in yeah. handy. Don't wait until you're like yeah, me, and you're right up under it. Well, and then what he needs to do is check his credit reports now, too, because they may have uh, put stuff in his credit Oh, report. yeah, if it's a debt collection outfit, chances yeah. are they did. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Well, maybe your son's okay. getting uh, getting in a position where he can have some fun too. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I know. You know, I know, it's one of those activities that mother and son can do together. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> it's a family. You don't affair. listen to anything else I tell you. Yeah, Just listen to this. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Yeah, make it a family affair. Why not? Yeah, I mean, even my teenage daughters know about it. They they listen on the call when I'm on it. Good, good. I put it on speaker. Absolutely. So, yeah. I wish everybody would do that. I was with my daughter. I went to court with her and helped her stand up for herself. And she's standing up in swamp court citing Georgia statute. And and the, in swamp court, and our that's magistrate small claims here, and the judges are not; they don't have to have a law background. And ours is an ex-banker, and he will tell you, I don't want to hear about the law in my court. He doesn't care. <laughs> but she started citing the Georgia statute where she was right, you know, in what she was saying, and he's like, what? Are you studying to be a lawyer now? Yeah. Well, hey, but that's what people need to do. Instead of being out there, being one of the sheeple, uninformed and uh, defenseless when it comes to this kind of stuff, start learning. And, you know, you're doing great by uh, getting your kids involved in this. Absolutely. I wish everybody would, please. Yeah, no, it's great. Well, they're homeschooled, so it comes in handy as another oh, learning tool. Sure. That's even better. <laughs> it makes it a little bit easier. It kind of blends right in with their uh, their curriculum, right? Well, that's part of what's yes, missing does. in the public schools anyway is 
any kind of knowledge of our justice system and how to use the court. So I applaud you for that. Yep. Yes. I mean, they have to learn how to survive. So that's right. This is one of those tools. Well, that's great. Love to hear that. That's, that's wonderful. But anyway, oh, well, yeah, do, do the debt validation letter. You're on the right track. Absolutely. Okay. All right. Well, thanks a lot, guys. You have a All righty. Thank you. You too. Thanks. All right. If anybody else has a question for us tonight, hit star eight. That'll put you in the queue, and we'll take your question and uh, hopefully uh, have some answers for you on uh, what you might want to do. We'll give you our opinions because we sure don't give legal advice. But uh, I'm not seeing any hands coming up, and uh, as I've said before, that uh, with these calls, we're going to stay on as long as we have people to help because that's the uh, the whole reason why we're here. And if we get past that time, then uh, there's other things that Terry needs to do, I need to do, and John needs to do. So we will go ahead and wrap the call up for tonight. Uh, please remember that tomorrow night there is no open call for the uh, the website. Uh, we're on a new schedule for the first of the year. It's the second and fourth Tuesdays. We had an open call last week. So uh, this week, no call. And uh, we'll do that again a week from tomorrow night. But of course, and, and of course there is no webinar on Wednesday afternoon as well. That's the new schedule. But uh, uh, Wednesday night is Terry's call. And of course, that always goes on. However, her call is now two hours on Wednesday night. It's not a three-hour call. It starts at the same time at 8 o'clock Eastern. And that's a, a two-hour call as well. And uh, if we run out of uh, uh, people with questions, then we are utilizing our time more efficiently to get other things done. So uh, please keep that in mind uh, in your call schedule. Please keep an eye on the emails you get from Jesse from the website. Don't just go, oh, yeah, I know about the call. Okay, you know, delete. Take a moment to read those emails because if there are going to be some special things that we do with this different schedule this year uh, with less calls, we are going to have some special things that we will do during the year. And that's where the announcements are going to be made. We'll we'll make announcements verbally, obviously, on the calls that we have, but the uh, uh, announcements of those and the specific dates and stuff are going to be sent out in those emails. So take a moment to check out those emails and uh, scan through them, even if it's quickly. Don't just go, oh, yeah, there's another. I know about the calls. Delete. Uh, because you could end up missing out on something that could be very beneficial to you. The other thing that we ask of you that we, as we've always said so many different times is, you know, we do this free. The only cost is Jesse's website, which pays for keeping a full-time webmaster and everything else going. Um, there's no advertising budget. We don't get to go out and uh, you know get on the radio and do billboards and stuff and say, hey, you, did you know that there's a group out here that helps people with problems with the debt collection industry? Please talk to people. I talk to people wherever I go. I went over to Dell's Hamburgers and had a wonderful bacon cheeseburger the other night. And this lady sat down across from me, and we sat there for two and a half hours and talked because she's a law librarian. 
Who'd have thought? And she has her own consulting company. And oh, did we have some interesting conversation? So we and and what got her to notice something is I was sitting there with a case document from my friend's case up in Kansas. I was I took it over there to read, and she immediately recognized it. And she says, "Oh, legal work, huh?" And I go, "Yeah." And that the way we went in our conversation, two and a half hours. So, uh, and I've got her card and everything. She is very resourceful. She is an incredibly resourceful individual, and uh, she told me to feel free to contact her if I had any questions about, you know, how I might be able to uh, need to find something. So, she'd be happy to help. But anyway, uh, thanks to everybody that joined us tonight. Thank you, Terry. Thank you, John, for uh, being here and participating. And we will talk to all of you on Terry's call that join us at 8 o'clock Wednesday night. And if you're not on Terry's email list to get the call reminders, which will go out tomorrow, and get the other information she sends out, send an email right now to queensongbird at gmail.com. Simply say, please put me on the list. You can even put that in the subject line. That'll work. But uh, get out there. Have some fun. Look at your federal court calendar if you've got a little bit of time and uh, see if you've got any trials calendared up. And I think you'll be very, if you're seriously interested in this stuff, I think you'll be very, very interested in, in the experience you'll have if you go sit in court. There'll be a little bit of boredom, but there should be some really good stuff for you to learn from. I'm in that mode now. I'm taking it to another level sitting in court. I've done it twice. And next week, there's two more for me to choose from. So I'm doing it. I walk the talk. And that's what we do around here. We walk the talk. Good night, everybody. I hope you guys have a great week. And for those of you that uh, join Terry on Wednesday night, you'll probably hear my voice. Good night, everyone. Good night. Good night. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.